Safeway makes it easy to save at the pump with your club card because you can use up to 20 cents per gallon in Safeway gas rewards at participating Chevron and Texaco stations. Get more mileage out of your grocery budget, up to 20 cents per gallon. When you shop more at Safeway, you save more at Chevron and Texaco. Maximum reward at participating Chevron or Texaco stations is 20 cents per gallon in a single fill-up, up to 25 gallons. Cannot be combined with any other Safeway gas reward offer. Restrictions and exclusions apply. See complete details at Safeway.com or in-store. Where would you rank this Cleveland Cavaliers team if you eliminated conferences? Has Kyrie Irving lost some of his luster? Do the Cavs have any hope against the Warriors' defense? The only question left is, say it with me, you win. Hey sports fans, Coach Nick here and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown Podcast. I am extremely pleased to bring on Andrew Sharp from Sports Illustrated to talk a lot about the NBA Finals and what is going on there. So, Andrew, thanks for joining us today. What's happening? What's up, man? How you doing? I'm great. I'm great. You know, I'm glad you could jump in here with us because I've been listening to your pod with Ben Golliver and really enjoying it and thought, you know what? Let's get some of that magic over here. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad you liked it. We've Ben and I have had a lot of fun. You, it definitely sounds that way. So, uh, but, you know, the problem is, is that there isn't much fun going on in these finals. I don't know if anybody's really enjoying it with, you know, the, when the scores are not very close. What are, you, what are your take on that? Oh, man, I'm bummed. I really am bummed. I, I had done the best I could to talk myself into the Cavs making this work somehow, at least making it close. I figured LeBron would be better than he has. I didn't think that Kyrie would be nearly as bad as he's been. And uh, I also I was kind of hoping that the Warriors would struggle a little bit just to give us a little bit of drama. But uh, they've been basically flawless on defense. And then the offense has been just as good. It's tough, man. I mean, this is, they're, they're, this is why they're the greatest team we've seen, you know, or at least the most successful team we've seen. So it's it's been pretty... Uh, Pretty rough for Cleveland, and uh, I, I mean, so what do you think? Do you think this the, the way this series has played out so far leads to bigger questions for the Cavs this summer? Yeah, I mean, although that, that implies, like, roster changes, I imagine, yeah. right? Um, I mean, here's the thing, and it's the same thing we saw last year, and I argued that the way they decided to play last year when they didn't have Kyrie and Love uh, by just isolating LeBron on that, on that left elbow uh, so often, they were going to lose that series playing that way nine out of ten times. Right. And so now they have these guys, and I feel like they're kind of reverting back to that anyway, and we're, we're, they're going to lose ten out of ten times playing that way. Uh, and so the question is, is the Warriors' defense as good as it is, which we all know it is terrific, or is the Cavaliers' offense making it that much easier for them to be so awesome? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's been one of the things I've I've actually that's been wild to watch through the first two games here is just how quickly Draymond and Iguodala and even Livingston just how quickly they sh- they close out on some of the three point shooters uh, for Cleveland, and it's like all those all those were open looks against the Hawks and the Raptors, and in a split second the the Warriors are right there to to cover them and I definitely think that's bothering people like Kevin Love 
and J.R. Smith. And uh, so I, I don't think it's – I think it's better – it's more good Warriors defense than it is bad uh, Cavs offense. But I think the Cavs offense gets into trouble when they start leaning too much on Kyrie. And then also LeBron wasn't very assertive last night uh, in game two. So, I mean, that's, that's a, a tough thing for, for the Cavs to deal with too is they need him to be at like an A-plus level to, to have a shot. Oh, I agree. You know what's interesting is we're gonna. I'm preparing what may be one of like the best videos I've done. Um, I'm not even sure. Well, I'll tell everybody. They, no one. It'll be out before this is out. But uh, I'm basically gonna look at um, the Warriors' offense, the, the same actions against OKC that didn't work versus those actions against oh, Cleveland. Oh man, yeah. And I think it'll be really enlightening. But to get back to the Cleveland offense, I think what was going on in the other series was. They were getting such easy dribble penetration, like to begin with, right from yeah. the beginning of attack, that it was all like, oh, beautiful basketball, blah, blah, blah. blah. Well, you know, the Warriors, they're not going to let that happen. That, that, that is one thing that they're terrific at. They're going to force baseline. They're not going to let you in the middle. They're going to be in position to start with. And they're actually going to be guarding the right people to start with, which is another thing that's strange in the NBA that doesn't happen all the time. And uh, yeah, so suddenly <laughs> they don't get that penetration easy like the Hawks were giving up. And, you know, it's, it's amazing how those three-pointers are suddenly not nearly as open. Well, you, the other thing is, yeah, like you look at the, the Raptors, the Hawks, the Pistons, none of, these, none of these guys had anyone who can really lock down LeBron or at least slow him down. Uh, and and the, the Warriors have a couple different really good options to throw at LeBron. And uh, so you talk about dribble penetration and getting to, getting to where they want to go. That's that's a big change that I think coming into this series, the biggest reason I was worried about the Cavs is because suddenly like the the offense worked because LeBron was getting wherever he wanted to go, and now he can't do that against Golden State, which has really thrown them off a little bit. And I think that's one of the reasons they've looked more to Kyrie. Uh, and Kyrie, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know how I feel about him after, after this series. And I've, I've never really bought in, and uh, I feel a little bit validated. You know what's funny about that is we've seen LeBron, you know, like lit light into Kyrie, like on the bench and screaming yeah. at him. I remember whatever game that was where, and everyone, like a lot of the Cleveland fans wanted to yell at me talk, talking about how that's the way that LeBron, it's a motivational thing and he's going to play better because of that. Um, I, I played, I imagine you played probably in some sort of organized version of basketball where maybe you've had a teammate like that. And I don't know Kyrie personally, but... You know, at this level, with this kind of pressure, I just can't believe that browbeating and screaming and yelling uh, is going to be the right way to do it. And I almost, to me, it almost feels like Kyrie is a little bit like broken. He's just sort of like disjointed, not quite with it and into it. Is that? Do you feel that? It definitely felt like that during the season, and then you. I mean, in the playoffs, I, I really saw a shift where the Cavs had like good vibes. Kyrie mm. looked happy and it seemed to be working better. And now it's almost like we're in the span of like five days, we're back to square one. So it's hard to know where they are emotionally at any, at any given time. <laughs> but I definitely, the, I mean, I, I went to the wizards Cavs game in mid February or late February where LeBron didn't play. And I, the Cavs had just lost to the Raptors the night before the Warriors went off in OKC and Steph hit that half-court shot, and it was ridiculous. And the vibes in, around the Cavs' locker room were so bad. 
and uh, and Kyrie was just totally checked out emotionally, uh, at least with reporters. And LeBron had left early, so it, there's definitely like when things break bad for the Cavs, they get really dark. And I think that's where we are right now. And that, I'm sorry, that is that is post uh, Tyron Lue taking over, right? Oh yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, Lou Lou had Lou had taken over, and what I had heard is that basically where Blatt had been very lax, uh, Lou was kind of in hard ass mode, and players weren't necessarily responding to that either. And, uh, and then, right. you know, to, to their credit, everything started to click in the playoffs against a bunch of sort of imperfect East teams, uh, to put it politely. And, uh, and so I think they really did start rallying around Lou as things got going. But yeah, I mean, it's still pretty unstable. You know, I was thinking about where I would rank the Cavaliers uh, if, the, if there were no conferences. And, uh, you know, it seemed like, okay, they're probably like fourth. Yeah. But I don't, I mean, after last night, I'm like, I don't know. Maybe maybe it might not even be, it might be fifth uh, at this point with a healthy Clippers team or something. So what do you think? Yeah, I, I would put them fourth solidly just because of LeBron and uh and I also don't. I don't trust the Clippers a whole lot either. Um, but uh, I. I don't know. I mean, I was definitely watching the game last night and was like, "Holy shit, we gotta reseed the, <laughs> reseed the playoffs next year. Like, start the revolution so that we don't have Cavs Warriors every year for five years straight." Um, and oh. <laughs> like, I don't know, man. I don't know what the answer is. I, I kind of agree at this point. You're right because this is going to be. You know, we've had some crazy uh, interest, certainly in OKC, uh, Golden State Warriors. I think we have the highest ratings, right, of, a, of like all time, whatever the, the platform was. So, uh, yeah. you know, uh, you're right. This is this will very well be one of the lower rated uh, finals if it sweeps or something. Now, um, you know, you're you're Tyron Lue and you're going back to Cleveland. Now, you know, there are stats that will show that Cleveland plays infinitely better at home. And we all know we all feel better at home and we shoot better at home, whatever. You know, what What else can they do besides showing up in uh, Quicken Loans uh, to improve? Uh, I mean, I, I it's hard to say. I, I would try to use Channing Fry more than they have and uh, and lean less on Tristan Thompson. And um, I would also, I think you got to bank on J.R. Smith has been non-existent through the first two games after he was just awful last year and uh, he's got it you have to hope that he's better uh i would i would lean on iman shumpert a little bit more than they have and i would seriously consider going with delhi uh in crunch time lineups just to make sure that the offense runs through lebron and i i don't totally trust it when when it's uh lebron and Kyrie. and i mean i don't know whether that's a hot take or not but it just Things have not been working. With you can't play Kyrie and Love together on the same on the floor and uh, against a, a Warriors team that is so good at taking advantage of bad matchups and exploiting that. So I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think there's any easy answer for Ty Lue, but I think I would definitely try. Uh, I would try Delhi more than he has. Well, I'm going to paraphrase uh, Seinfeld here and say that. It's not a hot take if you truly believe it. Yeah. I truly believe that it's worth trying. I, I think it's worth mixing things up a little bit. And Kyrie, if you use him more in, in like 
as a specialty kind of weapon in uh, in specific spots can still be a huge help for them. But um, but right now the defense has been so bad that I think they have to work on trying to shore up that end uh, and then hope that there's enough offense from some of the other role players. Absolutely. We need more Della Vadova. He played, uh, you know, less than 17 minutes last night. And, you know, he's not – the offense is not there. But what he was able to do even, you know – remember, he got lit up later in, the, in that series last year. But he was physical and he was, he, was, he was effective in ways where they're simply not effective. I mean, Curry's shooting, he's not even – you know, he actually shot very well last night. But he's not been a big presence. And um, – and so you can almost argue that that's not even the thing, but it's just a cascade of uh, of breakdowns, you know, uh, one after the other. I, I, you're right. I think that they, you know, the only question here is can they take a page from OKC's book uh, and go bigger, which would have to be something like Mozgov and Thompson together. Um, Mozgov, yeah. I like Mozgov. He mm-hmm. just hasn't looked right all year, so it's it's. I have a hard time believing that he could come off the bench and like give them. 30 good minutes in the finals. What happened? Can you write that tell-all book about the Cleveland Cavaliers season to tell us what happened to how Mozgov got completely and utterly benched to the point where, you know, he didn't see any time for months? I I heard that he his his knee was not great. It was not in great shape and that he he just was not entirely healthy. And uh, and that's that's sort of what happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I I honestly don't know and that was like from a third party, so who who knows? But I, he was he was great in last year's final, and was was a huge part of why they were able to make that a, a series for a few games there. Oh, I agree. Yeah, he was rolling. He was a presence. He was protecting the rim. I actually had to get into arguments with people about it because they still didn't want to believe it, even though there was enough evidence to show. So. Uh, yeah, I, I think you got to at least try. I mean, the only problem is, and it's a couple things that are sort of circumstantial that they can't control. One is that Ty Lue took over late in the season. Uh, he's a rookie coach. I feel bad for him just because, and he's got LeBron on his team. So it's a real hard situation no matter what. And then, you know, with Mozgov, let's just say he was healthy enough to play, and he hasn't been playing. So not only is he rusty, but there's no chemistry with that team, and you're not going to get it in this finals. It's not going to suddenly happen, I don't think. So it's like I don't like I don't know if they're going to be able to manufacture that. Maybe maybe they'll find something and it'll spark them. But I think you're right. They have to try. They got, they also they could just go with uh, Richard Jefferson for the full 48 Wednesday night and see what happens. <laughs> right. Well, let's see. He had 26. And you know what? He, he didn't do terribly, at least offensively. Uh, although that had to be no, some of that garbage. No, he was solid. He was solid. It was. I mean. It was shocking that he was playing in the NBA Finals and actually made sense for the Cavs for a little while last night. Shocking. Um, but what about Shumpert? We, we need to somehow figure out a way to free Shumpert, and, uh, and he needs to start. I was hoping that we would see uh, J.R. Smith have a little bit more focus on defense, but man, he is lost and not, doesn't know where he's supposed to be or where his man is. It's really, fr- you know, we've seen him be better than that, but. Uh, you know, how are we going to get Shumpert in the starting lineup? What can we do? Yeah, that might be the move. I, I don't know what's going on with JR. You'd have to think that after last year he was coming in more locked in this series. And maybe he just cares too much right now. Uh, but he, like, it's just, it's shocking to see him no-show. Because he's usually, 
he's usually pretty great in some of these some of these clutch situations because he's so detached from a lot of it. And uh, and it's, it, it's like watching him sort of buckle under the pressure. Uh, maybe it's maybe it's having to chase Clay on the other end is is taking him out of his zone on offense. But uh, but yeah, they haven't gotten anything from him. And at some point, Lou's got to mix it up just to see what happens. You know, on my list of videos to do maybe before Wednesday's game was, you know, why is J.R. Smith not getting shots? And, yeah. you know, he got six in, the, in game two. Um, I'm not sure. Will anybody want to watch that? I, definitely. I think, I think it's, it's like a, a, one, of the only, uh, one of the only true mysteries of the finals is what the hell is happening with J.R. Smith. Because everybody knows that the, the Warriors match up better than the – then a matchup are are just a better matchup uh with the Cavs than anyone else and so basically they are they're perfectly positioned to exploit all the weaknesses and so a lot of this makes sense and we knew coming in that there was a chance it was going to be like a blowout for the Warriors however I have no idea what's going on with J.R. Smith so that I would love to see a video breakdown Okay, because my, my brief observation is that, like, the typical back down by LeBron into the post, double-team kick out for a three was, like, what he would be feasting on. Yeah. But, but when they do these six dribble isolations and they don't really need to double, or even if they do, uh, this is a real – they are such a good conditioned defensive team that they're just – they're eliminating the skip passing. There's just no movement by them, and LeBron has no pass. Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of the skip passes have gotten broken up and, and lead to fast breaks the other way. I mean, it's really been pretty ugly through through two games so far. Uh, yeah, we did a post-game show last night. We were, we were able to break down live a little bit more of this. You know, they form an L. So even when, they, when you double-team a player, it's kind of an L, right? They form an L, and then the other three form an L around that. And um, if you don't cut or replace or move or screen – then, you know, you lose any advantage. And then, so this is where I guess Lou has to come in and, you know, I, you know, hold them accountable. Let's talk about that for a second, if you will. This, what does hold you accountable mean? I don't I mean, I feel like everybody should be pretty accountable in the NBA Finals. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what he can even do at this point. It's like... Yeah, all this stuff is is nationally televised. It's it's as big as the NBA gets, and uh, I, I feel like those guys, the the Cavs, have to have a little bit of pride. But at the same time, they also a lot of the players they have just don't match up well with Golden State. Again, I mean, and and the the lack of defensive focus, like some of the, a lot of players just aren't very great at uh, at staying engaged defensively whereas and the Warriors it just so happens are like the one team that you really can't ever lose focus against and uh and I think that's that's what we're seeing is the Cavs a lot of these guys had weaknesses all year and uh, throughout their careers and it just it just so happens that the Warriors are like the perfect machine to feast on all that well, I'm going to share a little secret to everybody who's listening because, you know, I've been able to go to some Warriors practices, a number of them, and I've seen other teams' practices as well. And so when you're talking about, you know, players who just sometimes aren't engaged on, on defense and they kind of shrug, oh, well, you know, like a guy like Barbosa has been, you know, fantastic for them defensively. Yeah. And I will say this, the Warriors, 
work on this every practice. I, have, that's, so that's what I was wondering. It's yeah. like, is that a Ron Adams thing or what? Oh, Ron Adams gets out there and like I've tried to write down some of the drills because if I run a team again, I, I got, I'm going to use all of these. But uh, they're all really good. The, the, I mean, listen, there's buy-in already. So like Steph and those guys are doing it hard and Draymond, so everyone else will anyway. And that's, that's luck and it's also culture and environment. But um, they were like, like, okay, I went to a practice once. It, was a, it ended up being a really short practice, like 40 minutes, and they were kind of in and out. And they barely got anything done. But I would say at least 20 minutes of that was still defensive rotation, closing out uh, from different areas, and just keeping that mindset. Um, whereas you know that like other teams, oh, they only have 40 minutes. We'll just shoot around a little bit. We'll kind of walk through our offense, and then we'll call it a day. So yeah. it's, it's real. It's there. It seems simple. Um, but I am convinced. I'm, I'm drinking the Kool Aid. I'm convinced it's simply because Ron Adams is there, and they're walking through it every day, and they're going through it. You know, game speed. Uh, there's no other way to explain it. Yeah, and I think, I think it also probably helps to have a couple, a couple people who are naturally great at it as well. With whether it's Draymond or Iguodala, uh, and Bogut is also incredible, like high IQ. Um, because I also I like. When we talk about creating that culture, I think about the Pelicans this year. I really expected uh, Darren Ehrman to make a huge impact in terms of their defense, and um, and it just didn't happen because the personnel they had were, I mean, first of all, half the half the roster was hurt all year, but uh, but they couldn't transform guys like. Eric Gordon and Tyreek Evans into like intelligent defenders. Um, and, uh, and so I, I wonder how much of it you can coach without just like having a foundation. Certainly the, the Cavs have, I mean, LeBron is as good a defender as anyone. Um, but, uh, but they don't have anybody else really. I take it. You didn't see my video from last night. Uh, no. What was it? <laughs> Why LeBron James is hurting the Cavs on defense in the, in the finals. So and, that, and that's another thing that's been interesting. Do you think that's because he is too he's overstressed on offense because he has he's been conceding a lot of shots. You know, we we you know, we we've seen him sort of have these moments. You you mentioned it to start the game. He wasn't very aggressive on offense, right? right. So like, okay, then you know, there he, he isn't I, I don't know. I the part of it is and like, I, when I say stressed, I think he might just be stressed out, like yeah. trying to deal with the, the Warriors. Yeah, yeah, well, he's, he, he kind of seems stressed out. Like, here, this is the first year, and I don't know why I didn't notice this before, but you know the whole coughing in his hand thing, that like that nervous thing he does or whatever it is? No. You never, oh, so you never that, noticed. Like, that I, the, the, the new nail biting? Well, no, I, I don't, apparently he's done it a long time. Maybe he has it, but whatever it is, you watch it now, you'll never not see it. Uh -huh. He coughs into his right hand uh, virtually every chance he gets when he doesn't have the ball and he's, you know, he's on offense. Moving on. It's, it's like a weird, nervous thing. And so and this, that's just his way of dealing with it, I'm sure. But um, the bottom line, I think, with this, and it goes back to the coaching thing, is it looked like they wanted to switch everything in game one, and that was a nightmare when they were slipping those screens. And then in game two, it sounded like they did the opposite. It kind of looked like that. But then they got a hybrid where, are we switching? Are we not? I'm supposed to. I'm not. And LeBron ends up just sort of like pointing it out. Like, you switch. Doesn't really call it out. The guy doesn't see it. And next thing you know, two guys are with the cutter. The, the, the screener is wide open. And it was happening a lot with LeBron. 
So, uh, you know, and uh, by the way, I want to make it clear, and I showed in the beginning, he did have a number of really good defensive plays where he read the play, tipped the ball out on a, on a great lob. He got there. He got a couple good steals on reads. So it's there, but it's so outweighed by the, the bad defensive plays. I, I hate to think that he's like just sort of weighed in by the stress of the offense or whatever, but he just seems like he, he, he definitely wants to relax more there, but then also he wants to cover for Kevin Love more than he needs to. And that's yeah. the other thing. You will see him like, you know, he's so concerned about Kevin Love on a switch with like, onto like Steph that he ends up leaving his own man wide open. Yeah, that's sort of what it seemed like last night. And there were there were definitely a couple plays I saw where he was playing free safety, basically, and it worked. Uh, but at the same time, guys like Barnes and Draymond have been getting open looks throughout the first couple of games. And that's on him as well. Yeah, I agree. And, and, I, and the, here's the other question. We've seen... We've seen Steph score on him in his grill a couple times now, and he sort of hasn't finished well at the rim even. Yeah. Um, are these – is this the decline? I, I Definitely. Uh, I mean, I look, Le, LeBron is human, despite the fact that he <laughs> has not missed a game, a playoff game in forever. And, I mean, I, it's – it's going to be really weird when the, the, the real decline happens and we all have to face our own mortality. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, he's, like, he's, not, he's not who he was three or four years ago. And I think that, that's another thing that we've learned through, through two games is that he can only do so much. And the guys that he left Miami to count on in Cleveland uh, are, are just imperfect, especially against the Warriors. So what do you think? You mentioned in the beginning about uh, off-court um, you know, moves they can make. Uh, is this going to be a thing where he, he, he thinks – I mean, he, a couple of questions. One, is the team the way it's constituted now ever going to be a title contender? And then B, um, do, you know, what is, how does LeBron react to that this summer? Yeah, I think that's, the, that's definitely a fear that they have to confront is that like – I don't know if there's anything that they could do to make them competitive with the Warriors. Um, and if that's the case, then keeping most of this group intact and just hoping that the Thunder or the Spurs can take out the Warriors in the Western Conference next year uh, and, and hope that they can, they can compete for a title that way. But I don't know. I think... It, it'll really depend on the next two games. If they get like drilled at home by the Warriors and and go out in four, then they they've got to do something. And even if it's a five game series and and uh, and it's not close in the losses, then I I think either Love or Kyrie will have to will have to go. Which again seems drastic after the way they dominated the the East, but. If you're LeBron, I mean, he's what? He, how old is he? Thirty-one. Uh, I, I, my, my, I was gonna say thirty-two, but let's just call him thirty-one and a half. <laughs> I'm gonna look it up. All right. Well, it's but, a race. Who's gonna? <laughs> yeah. Who can get the D-ball reference first? Yeah, he's thirty-one, and he's played for thirteen years now. I mean, I don't blame him for being impatient and being like, ah, "Let's mix it up." I personally, I would trade Kyrie and. Uh, if not to the Clippers for Chris Paul, then maybe to the Suns and try to get Eric Bledsoe. Some people who are better defensively in the backcourt and, uh, and could help them win. Um, hmm. And 
you know, at this or there's Kevin Love, but I don't know. I don't know what the trade market is like for for Love at this point, and I think he can still help them if if they use him in spots. You know, that's interesting too because you know politically. It's it's hard to imagine you not starting Kevin Love or doing the uh, the boozer treatment right. to him maybe where he just plays the first and third quarters or whatever. Um, maybe that's a solution to it. But you know, it, it, let's just say you traded Kyrie uh, and you bring in a new starter. It's like okay, um, is that a, is are you winning, winning a title next year with a brand new starter at the point guard position? Like that also seems to be. Uh, a, a, not a great scenario. And by yeah. the way, do you even think OKC would have any trouble with the Cavaliers? Yeah, well, that's a good question. What do you think after if if OKC had won? I I mean, what? Can, listen, I'm not the biggest Russell Westbrook fan, right? Yeah. But can you imagine what he would do against Kyrie Irving? Yeah, you yeah, know? or Delvinova. I think their biggest, the biggest OKC challenge would have been uh, LeBron on Durant. LeBron's historically been pretty good at, at throwing Durant off his game a little bit. And uh, it would have been a really fun series. More fun than, more fun than the one we have. Uh, no shots at the Warriors, but it would have been fun to, to watch the Thunder. I, I was watching the game last night and was, I found myself missing Russ um, mm-hmm. for all his insanity. And I'm not a huge... I'm not a huge Westbrook fan uh or at least I, I I some of the like worship like I think he has like real flaws but he's just so much fun to watch and uh we've I don't know man it would have been it would have been fun to have them involved this week yeah I, I I definitely don't think it would be uh that close either though I'd still feel like you know the Thunder the way they were playing defense I mean, it was probably better than what we're seeing from the Warriors right now. And I just, you know, I, I couldn't imagine the, the Cavaliers having much success against that either. Um, and especially with, you know, the way they, they shoot, eh, I guess with Durant shooting threes. Because, it's, you know, the issue we have here with the Warriors is that they're outscoring the Cavaliers by 30 points from the three-point line. You know, it's yeah. like, you, you'll ne- I don't think, there's, there's a threshold there where you, maybe you can overcome that, but it's got to be a lot less than 30 points. Yeah, that's definitely and when in coming into the series, like I was at least hoping again, I was trying to talk myself into the Cavs' chances, and I was hoping that that would be closer to even, uh, just because of the way the Cavs have been shooting. But credit to the Warriors, man, the defense is ridiculous. Like the stuff that the stuff that Draymond has been doing, the stuff that Iguodala has been doing, and just the general rotations, like you said, those. Those uh, 20 minutes with Ron Adams, like that makes a big difference. Absolutely. Well, you know, the, the time that we spent today has made, also made a big difference in our lives. And um, I want to thank you so much for coming on and, and breaking some of this stuff down and, you know, letting me get some stuff off my chest. It was very helpful. Yeah, man. Um, and you'll, let's do this again. Let's, let's figure out some more uh, topics to talk about. Yeah, we can, t- we can talk over the summer. We can look at, look at the whole association. <laughs> Absolutely. That sounds great. Well, uh, sports fans, don't miss Andrew over at Sports Illustrated because he does a lot of things there. And you can also tell us where we can find you on Twitter. Uh, on Twitter, I'm at Andrew Sharp. And, uh, yeah, check out the Open Floor Podcast. For sure. And don't forget, sports fans, at B-Ball Breakdown, we're not a channel. We're a conversation. You in? Are you in, Andrew? I'm in. I'm in.
When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything! Safeway makes it easy to save at the pump with your club card. Because you can use up to 20 cents per gallon in Safeway gas rewards at participating Chevron and Texaco stations. Get more mileage out of your grocery budget, up to 20 cents per gallon. When you shop more at Safeway, you save more at Chevron and Texaco. Maximum reward at participating Chevron or Texaco stations is 20 cents per gallon in a single fill-up, up to 25 gallons. Cannot be combined with any other Safeway gas reward offer. Restrictions and exclusions apply. See complete details at Safeway.com or in-store.